Thanks, guys. Um, we were supposed to be yesterday um, going down to the mall with the combined churches of Shepparton, but uh, our lovely summer weather, which we're really thanking the Lord for the rain, uh, washed us out. So they did get a chance to do one of their songs today. We were going to do a set of um, five or six, I think, down there, but uh, the rain washed us out, and it's coming down again now. So we thank the Lord for that. That is good for the farmers and uh, good for the Shepparton uh, region um, as we struggle through this year of drought here we have in Australia. Uh, really thank you for all the visitors that have come today. It's a real blessing that you guys have come to be with us as we just come and celebrate Christ and hopefully you will have received a little uh, gift pack. Uh, in that um, there's a little welcome card. If you could just fill that out for us and just pop it in the offering box in the back or slip it to the person you might have come with. We just want to say thank you very much for coming and uh, being with us today as we come and think about Christmas and celebrate Jesus Christ, uh, the great glorious gift that God has given to us. Sorry, I need to put this on as well, otherwise I'm going to forget. The wonders of modern technology. The computer let us down last week. We didn't quite record what we were doing. so And then I forgot again just then, so I just kind of be the last time. Christmas. Christmas, for most people, is the most wonderful time of the year. Often as you walk the shopping malls, um, you'll hear that song perhaps being softly played throughout the shop. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And it is very often, isn't it? We sort of get this great excitement, this anticipation about Christmas and this time of the year. It's the holiday season. School is over for many. Uh, there's a few days off work over this period. I'll be able to sit back and relax and connect with some friends and just have some really good times and make some great memories. There'll be sons and daughters who perhaps haven't seen each other for, for months. They'll be travel. Sorry, haven't seen their parents for months travelling back home for Christmas. There'll be brothers and sisters also have, perhaps haven't seen each other for months. So they'll be travelling back for Christmas to uh, spend time with each other. And also grandparents and grandchildren as well as they come back together again at Christmas. And Paula's telling me she's having a lot of her family next weekend. Is it coming? So she's very excited when I saw her yesterday. Oh, one here. Welcome, Heather. Not that you're the least, but the rest are coming next week as well to make it one big happy family. So it is that time of the year when that seems to happen. People come and we connect together and we really, really enjoy that. Now, for me, that's never really been my experience. My family's always been fairly close, only a few hours away. So I could often see them many times through the year. But I've seen some reunions on Facebook and it's very, very happy when they do come back together and they do that. Another element of Christmas that we really enjoy also is gift giving, isn't it? We like to give gifts. I think we have many memories of gifts. You can see we've got a few gifts here sort of thinking about this gift we get at Christmas. I've got many memories of gifts at particular Christmas. Uh, One of my memories is my nana and pop. Uh, My mother was Canadian when she came over from after marrying dad in Canada and come back to Australia. She often would invite... um, my dad's parents to come out, my nana and pop, to uh, stay the night on Christmas Eve at our place, which was always a great joy to have nana and pop there. And of course, they'd be there the next morning as we gathered around the Christmas tree to hand out the presents, and mum and dad would do that. Uh, In my family, there's three brothers. Myself, I'm the youngest of of three brothers. There's two others, uh, Pete, my brother, and one other, Shane. And uh, with nana and pop, um, as soon as the first brother opened up a present from nana and pop, you knew exactly what the second brother and the third brother were going to get from Nana and Pop. Okay, you only had to open the first one up and knew exactly what was happening next. And very often, God bless their souls, it was a white socks Christmas. One person got a pair of white socks, the next person did, and the next person did. So great memories of, uh, of Christmas and giving gifts. 
In a sense, though, we do love to give gifts and receive gifts, don't we, when it comes around Christmas. I know when I turned about 10 years old, Mum told me it's about time you started to give gifts to the family, Todd. Well, I'm not actually earning a job at that time, earning any income, but Mum uh, very graciously and generously gave me $10 and uh, said, OK, in you go and buy some gifts. And that was back when $10 could go a very long way. <laughs> $10 wouldn't buy a quarter of a gift at this stage, but $10 back then went a long way. So I walked into the Marupna News Agency and five minutes later, I walked out with five gifts for everybody in my family. I think I got Dad a telephone message reminder book and I got Shane and Peter pencil each. You know, very sort of thinking <laughs> gifts at the time, but look, 10 years old. But gifts, we love to give gifts. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? What is the significance of gift giving as we think about gifts at Christmas. Is it just a marketing ploy for the retail world to sort of boost sales for that particular time of the year? Why do we give gifts at Christmas? One reason is that it signifies that the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, the Son of God in Bethlehem, and that these wise men came from the east to celebrate this birth of the risen king, of the glorious king, with gold and frankincense and myrrh. In that sense, just as these men brought gifts to Jesus, so do we also give gifts to each other to recognise who Jesus is. That's one reason, possibly, why we give gifts. Another reason, which I think closely goes hand in hand with that, is that we give gifts to each other in recognition for the gift that God has given to us in his son, Jesus Christ. It's a recognition of this great and glorious gift that God's given to us. So we give gifts to each other to symbolise that with each other. And we read in Luke chapter 2, it says this about this child that was born and announced here as God's gift of salvation. Now you better follow along on the screen with me. Luke chapter 2, 8 and 12. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And I can imagine they would be if something like that just happened right there and then on the spot. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It's one of the, uh, the, the narrative passages there in the Bible about this baby born. You can imagine the shepherds, probably a fearful sight when they're just out there just doing their own thing. Three or four shepherds and you know hundreds of sheep and all of a sudden these angels appear. But the angels announce, fear not. I bring you good news of a great joy. And here it is. And the good news was, this is Jesus, this baby that is born, laying in swaddling cloths in a manger. This is Jesus Christ, the Lord. He's the Son of God. He's come to rescue and to save us. He's a saviour to rescue us from our brokenness in life and our rejection of who God is and how we've ignored God all our lives. This is God, the Son of God, who's come to live among us and to ultimately bring us back to our Creator, into right relationship with Him. That is the gift who Jesus is. He's this priceless gift from God. So then we give gifts to each other as it were to symbolise this gift that's been given to us. 
Now, the world, in some sense, has really latched onto this idea of giving gifts around Christmas. Yes, and I did mention the retail world before. It does probably build most of its profits for the year over this sort of probably five or six week period where we have the Christmas and then the Boxing Day sales uh, follow on very quickly after that. Although some nearly advertised Boxing Day before it even gets to Boxing Day in this day and age. But we're seeing this year that they're going to spend, they think in Australia, $25 billion will be spent this year on Christmas over the Christmas Boxing Day period. And that'll be on gifts food, alcohol and holidays, which averages out to $1,325 per person over this period. We sort of go all out on gifts. They've really latched onto this idea of gift giving and celebration at this particular time of the year. But how does this gift giving often work for us when it comes to Christmas? What's sort of the process that often takes place maybe subconsciously, but it's sort of in our minds to some extent as we do gifts around Christmas. We have the mythical big red fella we often associate with Christmas, Santa Claus. He likes to discover whether we've been naughty or whether we've been nice to work out whether we get gifts or not. And as it were, the big red fella has this list and it's a tick and cross. Tick for the good things, cross for the bad things. And he's working this list out and he's trying to work out who's been naughty or who's been nice. I don't know if anybody's seen the Meyer ad Christmas for the red bulb, green bulb, naughty and nice ad. Some of you may have. Neville probably hasn't. That's all right. Uh, It's an ad on TV which Meyer is selling. Uh, It's a bulb you hang on the tree. And if you're good, the bulb goes green. And if you're bad, the bulb goes red. Now, just a little secret here, Santa's not doing that. Mum and Dad have to buy a little app to put on their smartphone and they can sit up in the kitchen and they can make the bulb go red or green. That's what they do. But the whole process here is, if you're really, really good, you get a green bulb. If you're really, really bad, you get a red bulb. You do lots of good things, your bulb goes green. You do lots of bad things, well, the bulb will light up red on the tree. The whole idea here is if you do enough good things, enough good things, you get green bulbs. And you earn or you deserve good gifts or lots of gifts, if that's the case. If I'm good, Santa will give me good gifts. If I'm really, really, really good, like super good, well, then I'll get more gifts and better gifts is how it works. I'll be rewarded for my good things. It's a bit like a gift meter sometimes like that, isn't it? You know, it's good, 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 good. More, 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 more. Bad, 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 less, 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 less. It's sort of how it works. And this way of thinking, the more nice things I do, the more good things I should get. Now I can see that will be an incentive for parents. Nah, not enough dishes done today. Red. Nah, you need to eat your tomato. Red. I can see how they'll exactly use that. And yeah, Samantha down the front's thinking, I might go buy one of those bottles right now, she says. It's what happens. But in a sense, it sort of sounds right to us, doesn't it? If you do good things, you really do earn or deserve good things, don't you? Or if you do bad things, maybe you don't deserve them. Maybe you deserve to have things taken away from you. In a sense, that sort of makes sense to us when we think like that. If you do good, yeah, the bulb should go green. If I do bad, well, maybe we might just make it red this. Just for a little while, then we'll flick it back up to green as soon as you do something good. But amazingly, 
Amazingly, that's not how God works with us when it comes to the gift of his son Jesus. It's not about being good and getting the bulb to go green and then somehow God now gives that to you. In fact, amazingly, with Jesus, we get what we don't deserve. We get what we don't deserve. Jesus comes to those who are undeserving, totally opposite to naughty and nice. There's a story here that illustrates this in Luke chapter 18. It's a great story. We'll bring it up for you on the screen as well and probably cast right there with me. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Just follow along with me as I, as I read this for us. Jesus is speaking here. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This really does set the scene for us today for the gift of Christmas. There's two guys we can see in this story. We have the Pharisee and we have a tax collector. The Pharisee is a very religious guy. The word Pharisee actually means like a, a separated one. He separates himself from all of the bad stuff in life. He doesn't want to be associated with anything bad. He's trying to be as good as he can be to receive God's favour. That's what the Pharisee's trying to do. He spent his whole life following rules and regulations to try and pile up God's favour for himself. He'll only eat certain foods that are deemed appropriate for him and his religion, and he will only dress a certain way that seems appropriate for what he's doing in his religious standards. And it tells us there, we looked in that passage, he said he fasted twice a week. He was doing all these things to earn God's favour. And he paid tithes of all the money he received back to the temple. That was a temple tax they were paying back then. And he reminded God also, so I'm not like those other people, particularly that tax collector over there. I'm not like him. God, remember that I've never played around with my wife. I've always been faithful to her. I've never put pressure on or blackmailed anybody, extorted something out of them. No, I've never done that. I've always been fair and just. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. That's how the Pharisee was. What was he trying to do? He's trying to put lots of green bulbs on his tree. He's trying to fill his tree with green bulbs, all these good things. You would think, in many respects, he would be the perfect candidate to receive God's gift because his tree is covered in his mind in green bulbs. Let's look at the other guy that Jesus is talking about here in this story. He's a tax collector, collects taxes. Tax collectors back in those days were collecting taxes for the Roman government. The land of Israel was under occupation by the Roman Empire at that time and they positioned people in there to collect taxes to funnel the money back to Rome to build their roads and line the pockets of the Caesar of the day. And the, the way that the tax collector could build his fortune, earn his income, would be to collect more tax 
than he was required to. So just say the Roman tax of the day was 10% GST. Well, the tax collector, he would collect 12% or more if he possibly could. And he would earn his income uh, as quick as he possibly could by, uh, by charging more tax than he needed to and he would keep the change in doing that. He was a guy who was greedy. He was a guy just looking to amass wealth by ripping other people off. He's probably the sort of guy you would see on current affairs sometimes who goes in and rips off those elderly or sells stuff to people that they never receive. He's a swindler. He's a con man. All the tax collector to think of was the next big scheme he could put together to actually get more money back into his pocket. He's the sort of guy, in many respects, who collected lots of red bulbs on his tree. He wasn't doing the good things, he was doing the bad things. But let's think about here the two different approaches of these guys, the Pharisee and the tax collector, as they come in in this story here into the temple that Jesus tells us about. The Pharisee gives us this picture here that he is full of pride. He's full of contempt. He's a good person in his own estimation. No one really is as good as him as he comes in to pray. And he looks down on everybody else around him as he's in this temple situation. Lord, I know I'm good. I've done all these good things. And the Pharisee here sees everybody else as second rate and he won't even acknowledge his own pride in his heart. That's the Pharisee. The tax collector is very different though as we saw in this story. He doesn't come in like that. He doesn't come in sort of puffing himself up in pride about all the green bulbs he's placed on his Christmas tree. The tax collector comes in and he comes in before God broken and humiliated. Broken and humiliated. He knows and recognises who he really is. He knows that he's full of faults, flaws and failures. He walks into the temple knowing exactly who he is. He's not trying to hide anything from God because God can see all things. He comes in there as we were beating his chest and that's signifying humiliation and shame for who he really is because he knows what he's like underneath the exterior that we put on the outside. And he begs for mercy before God. He says, God, please be merciful to me, a sinner. Look at how Jesus responds in this story. It's just amazing how he responds. It says there, Jesus says, I tell you, This man, the tax collector, goes home justified rather than the Pharisee. This man, the tax collector, goes home justified rather than the Pharisee. The word justified there means to be right before God. Innocent, to be be declared right. Or for today's talk, it's to receive the gift of salvation of Jesus Christ. To receive God's gift of Jesus. The tax collector is forgiven for all of his brokenness and his failures before God and he receives the gift of eternal life from him. The Pharisee doesn't because he's full of pride and contempt. I'm okay on my own. I'm doing quite all right, thank you. Can you imagine the tax collector, though, when he hears that news? He's thinking, never in a million years would I think God would receive me because I know who I am. I'm the red bulb guy. My tree's covered in red bulbs of all the wrong stuff that I've done. All I deserve is God's judgment because I know what my tree looks like. It's covered in red bulbs. I can imagine the tax leaders thinking, how could I be forgiven? What has happened to all of my red bulbs? All of the stuff I've done in life. 
Well, to understand that, to get inside the story here, we need to actually find out what has happened to this gift of Jesus and what he has done with these red bulbs in the life of this tax collector or for you or I. You see, at Christmas, we place all of our gifts under a tree. We put up a tree, same in the lounge room or some prominent place, and we place all our gifts under the tree. But this gift of Jesus Christ, God's gift to us, he places himself on a tree. Not under the tree, on a tree. And when I say on a tree, it's a Roman cross of crucifixion. It's not really a tree of celebration and joy. It's a tree of death. It's a tree of judgment. It's a horrible tree. Jesus Christ, God's gift, places himself on that tree for us. Read with me here in Hebrews chapter 2 as we see this picture here of God's gift to us. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he's talking about us, human beings, flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus now, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, became like us, flesh and blood. That through death, Jesus going on the tree, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This is the message of the gospel here. This is the end game of Christmas. If you don't see the end game of Christmas, you won't fully understand what Christmas here is all about. Jesus, who is God, comes in and becomes one of us. He takes on flesh and blood. And he did this, he did this so that he could take our place to bear God's judgment for all of our brokenness, all of our rejection, all of our sin, all of our failure, all of our red bulbs. Jesus takes that himself on the tree in our place. He absorbs all of God's judgment for us. So that now the tax collector, or anybody else for that matter, who comes to Jesus honest, honest about their brokenness, about their sin, about their rejection of God, we don't hide it any longer. We own it before God. It's me. We, don't, we stop playing the blame game. Yes, it's me. I'm being honest about life. If we come honestly before God and put our trust in Jesus' death for our sin, he will completely forgive us. He will completely forgive us. Before our life is like this Christmas tree covered in red bulbs. All our failures, all our flaws, all our faults. But now, as it were, Jesus comes along and he just takes all those red bulbs off that tree, the tree of life. And what does he do? Jesus places all of his green bulbs over our tree. His, his green bulbs and does them in our place. And then God sees us absolutely perfect in his sight because of what Jesus has done for us. You see, this truly is Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. This is the joy and the celebration that the Christians sing about. These are the carols that we've sung for decades and centuries. The traditional carols we sing that just reflect this joy and this celebration. Maybe next Sunday night at the carols here in the gardens, or you might watch the, uh, the carols on TV. 
Think about the words that you sing when you hear those carols sung for us. Joy to the world, the Saviour has come. It's reflecting who Jesus is, what Christmas is all about. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Think about those carols and the joy and the celebration that it does for us. Because it's what it's doing, it's pointing us to the gift of Christmas. It's pointing us to this glorious and amazing gift that God has given to us. He's a God who comes and becomes one of us and takes on himself all of our red bulbs, all of our failures, so that he can then give to us all of his green bulbs, all of his perfect living. And as we put our trust in his death, he forgives us and washes us absolutely clean of all of our rejection and failure. This is a free gift, the true free gift of Christmas. As Simon said before, we don't do things to earn these green bulbs. They're given to us freely in Christ as we actually come to him and admit who we are and believe in what Jesus has done. Let me just close with these couple of words here from Paul, uh, who writes this in 2 Corinthians 9. He actually expresses it here in one line. He says this, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. He can't put words to it. Paul gets this vision of who this gift is in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift that we've been given. And that's our prayer today. If you come to visit us here at Exchange, we are so glad you're here. We would pray that you would truly discover who this inexpressible gift is and discover the joy of what Christmas truly is about. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we give you thanks and we give you praise today as we just come and remember this Christmas season once again. It's just a vivid, vivid reminder of this joy and celebration, this gift giving to each other, symbolises the glorious gift that you have given to us. The gift that releases us from this lifelong slavery, as it were, to the fear of death in our lives. Or the rejection and the failure that we, if we are honest, Lord, we know we are filled with on the inside. Jesus comes and he takes that fear, that rejection, that failure away. He he covers all of our sinfulness, all of our brokenness, all of our failure before you, Lord, as our creator to honour you as God. Jesus takes all that away and he makes us brand new. I pray today, God, that you would uh, reveal that gift into our hearts in a fresh and a new and perhaps for the very first time. And that we would know what it is to joyfully celebrate Christ at Christmas. God, thank you for the blessing of each and every person that's been with us today. And Father, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.